Hey, Salt Company. It's good to be back. I love this. I'm loving every minute of this. Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Jordan Perhoda. I'm the community ministry director here at Candeo Church. Uh, and if you don't know this, I had the privilege over the last couple of years to actually direct uh, this College Ministry Assault Company. I directed solo my first year and then co-directed with Michael Lisi last, last year and then passed him the baton. Uh, but your director is not here tonight. Michael's not here because he has two brand new human babies in his house right now. Yeah, yeah, he's doing his dad thing. That was a weird way to say that. Human babies. What was I looking for? Infant babies? Twins. They had twins. I clearly don't have kids. I actually, I went over to the Lisi's yesterday to, to deliver a meal, and uh, we, uh, I brought it in or whatever, and the, if you guys know me at all, I'm just not good. I don't know how to handle babies. It's not a thing that I do. So uh, Cody was actually holding baby Benjamin, and uh, he saw me, and so he, he stood up to like hand me baby Benjamin. It was like walking my way, and I did one of these awkward like, I just didn't know what to do with my hands thing, and he showed me so much grace. He's like, Jordan, why don't you just sit on the couch? And I'm like, thank you. Just put it in, you know, just put it in there. Uh, so, so yeah, my, Michael's doing great. Lissa's awesome, healthy, the babies. Uh, Benjamin and Israel are healthy. Things are going great. Uh, but he's not here tonight, so I'm your substitute teacher. He'll be back next week. Uh, but actually, tonight, I'd love to start with sharing a story that involves your director, that involves Michael. Uh, boys, about a month ago now that I was uh, at, a, at a buddy's birthday party thing, and um, Casey was at home with the director's wives. I was at a U and I basketball game, and uh, which, by the way, mad props to all the men who are here right now, not watching March Madness. Like that's an extra gold star in heaven for you tonight. Yes, clap for that. I'm kidding about the gold star thing. That's horrible theology. Um, <laughs> But I, so I was, at a, I was at a United basketball game, right? And I'm watching the game, and I get a phone call from Casey. And, and the phone call says, uh, uh, you need to come home now. Our basement's flooding. I'm like, oh, no. There's four minutes left in the game. You know, I'm like, okay, I got to be a good husband. And so I got up, and I went home. And it was like one of those horrible feelings where you're, like, walking down the stairs, and it's like that last step, and you're not wearing shoes, and it's like squish, Right? And like you can feel it in between your toes. I'm like, dang it. And it's all carpet. So we had to tear it all out. And so that night, uh, Sarah Herring, Stacey Klein, uh, and then Andrew Hager came over. And then Michael Lisi came with dehumidifiers and fans because we we're trying to dry everything out. We had to pull all the carpet up and all that. Uh, so that happened. And then uh, a handful of weeks later, I had to put new flooring in. And I'm like the least handy person ever. I can like hang a picture and level it. And maybe that's it. And so I'm calling people from Candeo trying to figure this stuff out. They're like, you just got to put in this uh, vinyl stuff. It's water resistant and it just clicks together. And I'm like, oh, like Legos, that'll be easy. <laughs> Not easy at all, actually. Uh, it's actually very difficult. And, uh, and, but I had some people from Candeo, the Nissens, Sean Green, and Steve Kidwell from our Connection Group come over and help us out. And they put it in. They sacrificed their, their Saturday and their Sunday. And, and I'm telling you guys, uh, we have this, this floor in now at our, at our place, and I would have never been able to do it by myself. My wife knows that. Um, but, but I'm just, I'm looking at these people who served us that night and then, then later to put in the floor. And I, I just had this feeling, like, I felt super loved by every single person that came to my house to help me out. And, and the question I want to ask tonight is this. What was like the secret sauce in what they did 
that made me and Casey feel super loved? That's the question I want, that's one of the questions I want to answer tonight. And, and to do that, we're going to actually go back to 1 Corinthians 13. So if you have your Bibles, you can start turning there. Mark Aaron actually hit this a handful of weeks ago, but I'm telling you guys, if there was ever a chapter to hit twice in the book of Corinthians, uh, it's this one, as we keep talking about love. Real quick background, uh, right around 13 are chapters 12 and 14. Your college students, you didn't need to know that. But like 12 and 14, they're talking about spiritual gifts, all right? Paul's talking to the Corinthians about spiritual gifts. They had a hyper-focus on some certain gifts. And so he's talking to them about uh, the gifts in 12 and 14, but 13 right in the middle He's going to stop and make something very clear to the Corinthian church. And that's what we're going to unpack tonight. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13. I'll just read the whole thing, starting in verse 1. It says this, If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude, not self-seeking, not irritable, and it does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. All right, so what Paul's going to do, let's hit these first three verses. He's going to take these spiritual gifts that the Corinthian church has been focusing on, and he's just going to take them to the max. He, he's going he's to do some like hyperbole. And for the 95% of you that forgot that definition from English class in high school, uh, hyperbole is essentially it's exaggerated statements or claims. That's what Paul's going to do. He'll take them to the max. Now, he talks about tongues and prophecies. Now, very simply, actually, Michael over the next couple of weeks is going to unpack both of those things in 1 Corinthians 14. So I'm not going to hit it tonight, but, but know that they had this, this fascination or, or emphasis on tongues. And also prophecy. But, but he talks about, pro, uh, about tongues and he says, even if, let's say even if you could speak all these different languages and even the, the language of the angels, even if you don't love, you are nothing. You are like a clanging cymbal or a noisy gong. I am nothing. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I could understand all of life's mysteries, if I could interpret God's will, if I could do these things with unlimited knowledge but do not have love, I am nothing. It's not I have nothing. I am nothing. Faith. Verse two, not, not saving faith, but actually like special acts of faith, maybe like miracles. He's saying, even if you could move mountains, even if you could move Mount Everest 10 feet to the left, if you don't have love, you are nothing. 
turns a corner and, and it starts talking about giving in verse three, which actually Reed talked about a little bit ago. But, but Paul says, okay, let's say you give to the poor. Let's say you give them blankets, you give them food, you help with AIDS treatment and you're helping with cancer sufferers. Let's say you do all of those things. If you do not have love, you gain nothing. Now take it to the max. Did you see this? If I give over my body, what he's hinting at there is actually martyrdom. Let's say I die for my faith. I preach the gospel and die for my faith. Paul's getting extreme when he says, you could do that, but if you don't have love, you gain nothing. The summary of all of this is if we are not motivated by God's love, we are nothing and we gain nothing. Love is not measured by actions. It is of the heart. You can have two people doing the exact same act, one with a heart full of love and the other not. And Jesus is like, that's what I'm talking about. The one with a heart full of love. I don't care how long your spiritual resume is. If you're not motivated by love, you are nothing. Now, we see this in Christian culture today, right? We, as Christians, we talk about giving to the poor, about volunteering and volunteering at church, doing all these good things, which are all good things. But what Jesus cares about, he cares about our heart. Is it motivated by love? Now, let me hit a little closer to home. You can lead a connection group as a salt leader. You can go on a spring break on missions trip. You can go overseas this summer to tell people about Jesus. You can even plant a church in our network. You could be the community ministry director at Candeo Church who has an oversight over the regional ministries which impacts our community with the love of Christ. You could be all of those things. But if we do not have love, we are nothing. Jesus is not giving a spiritual grade by what you do. He is looking at your heart. Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you, are you just checking something off a list? Is it to look good? Are you trying to gain something? Jesus sees through all of that. And you know what? People see through all of that too. If you start, start treating people like they're a project and not your friend, people pick up on that pretty quickly. You pick up on that pretty quickly. We are not called to check people off a list. We're called to love people, Christians. And when we do this, it just seems like everything else works itself out. Check out this, this quote from Sinclair Ferguson. I thought this was really good. It was thrown out in our teacher meeting. It said, you may have met people who complain, the church isn't recognizing my gifting. But you have probably never met anyone complain, the church isn't recognizing my loving. The truth is that if we are focused on looking for opportunities to love, we'll usually find opportunities to use our gifts along the way. Love is the root of everything in the Christian walk. And on top of that, as verse eight says, it lasts forever. Love never ends. Now I'm, I'm gonna do something. I'm actually gonna go, I'm gonna hit the end of this passage really quick because it actually parallels verses one through three where it says love never ends. Right, but it, but it goes on to say, but as for prophecies and tongues and knowledge, they will come to an end. And what Paul is saying is that love is eternal, it is permanent, and there is a massive difference between what is complete, perfect, and eternal and what is partial or temporal. 
There is a massive difference. And gifts like tongues and prophecies, which are good and have some value, Corinthian church, they are nothing compared to the eternal value of love. These things, these temporal things that we have on earth, they will be fulfilled one day. There will be a day when Jesus comes back where prophecy, tongues, knowledge, they will not be necessary because they will be fulfilled. These gifts are very elementary, the the author says, right? Verse 11, like a child. You're like a child, especially if you do these things without love. There's no maturity in you. Now, what Paul is saying here in this big chunk is he's going to say, don't focus on the temporal gifts. Focus on when Jesus comes back. Verse 12, he says, he says you're looking at life now, and it, and it kind of feels like a mirror. And when he says mirror, uh, the Corinthians were known for making bronze. And so when, when they saw a mirror, it would have been this like, like blurred image on a bronze mirror. Like, I can't really see what's happening right now. And, and, and what Paul's saying is to say, hey, one day, it's all going to be clear. It'll all be fulfilled It'll all be perfect. Now, we were in our teaching meeting and uh, Jake Herring threw out something uh, in, in the notes that it was so good and I was gonna try and reword it and sound really cool. Uh, I'm just gonna quote Jake. Uh, Jake said this, in Paul's context, it appears that he is waiting for complete or perfect visions of that which is manifested in the gifts of prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. For example, perfect communication, communion, and interpersonal knowledge between God and his people which will arrive when we experience the fullness of the new creation in the presence of the Lord himself. Thus, when all the complete versions of the partial realities we experience through spiritual gifts in this life arrive, those partial realities will be laid aside and will disappear. Now, for some of you, you're like, that was really good. That was helpful. And for others of you, you're like, I still have no idea what you're talking about. Let's go this route. Imagine tonight, I collect all of your phones. Like we just bring out a massive box and I say, I'm gonna collect all your phones. Now I'm gonna give you all uh, one of these older iPhones. This is the SE, right? I hand you all some of these older iPhones and I say, hey, here's the deal about these iPhones. Some of them don't work the best. Actually, all of them don't work the best. Some of them you can text, but you can't like call others or the other way around. Some you can have Facebook app, but not Instagram app. And some of you are like, please don't give me that phone. Um, but right, it's like some of these things, it's like it kind of works, but it doesn't really work. It's not doing what you want to do. So you go away and live your life for a week and come back hating me. And uh, next Thursday, I come back up on stage and I go Oprah on all y'all. And I just like, and I pull out and Reed comes out with like all these boxes of the new iPhone XS Max. And he just starts whipping them into the crowd until everyone has a new iPhone, right? You pull out this, it's the most expensive iPhone on the market. I did my research, right? So you look at this iPhone and you're like, this has everything I need. It works perfectly. It's up to date on everything. Everything I could want is in this iPhone. What are you going to do with that old iPhone? Kick it <laughs> to, the can, to the trash, whatever. It's like, I'm done. To the Apple store, if you want to get some money back. Uh, but you're just like, I'm done with it because I have like the best thing. I have the perfect, the complete thing. Nothing's missing on this thing. So I don't even need that. That's what Paul's talking about. He's like, these gifts, they're temporal, they're partial, the full, the complete, the eternal. It is coming. Jesus is coming back. When we get to heaven, these partial gifts will be fulfilled. They'll no longer be needed. But not so with love. We will love God and one another for eternity. Paul, his 
his message to the Corinthians here is focus on the eternal, focus on love. The temporal has value, it has purpose, but love is eternal and superior. And even amongst faith and hope, if you caught that, even amongst faith and hope, love is superior. Love is what identifies us as God's children. It is the main thing we as Christians should be striving for. So what does love look like and how do we pursue it here on earth? The, the Greek word for love is agape. Maybe some of you have heard that. Uh, it is a selfless concern for the welfare of others. And everything I'm about to talk, talk about tonight will go back to this. Selfless concern for the welfare of others. When we have this kind of love, Salt Company, it makes Jesus look super attractive to the watching world. I remember my younger brother, Sean, convicting me like he usually does. And uh, he he said, Jordan, how are you doing right now? He didn't mean anything, but, but he's just like, how are you doing right now loving people to Jesus? And maybe for you, you're like, ah, whatever. But maybe for some of you, like, that hit home like it hit for me. It's like, shoot, uh, I don't know. How am I doing loving people to Jesus? And, and the whole, like, litmus test of how am I doing loving people, it's going to be found in this section right in the middle, four through seven. The Corinthian church was failing at loving others, now we get to ask ourselves tonight, we get to look in the mirror, Saul Company, and say, do we love? Because some of you might say like, yeah, oh yeah, I love people, but do you? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is kind. Are you kind with your words? Are you not harsh? Are you killing gossip in your life and the, the lives of those around you? Are you not taking cheap, cheap shots with your friends when they're not around are you kind with your actions? Do you do dishes for your roommate even when they don't ask? Do you help classmates when they miss class because they're sick? Do you help them catch up on notes? When you're waiting at Rialto for your chicken sandwich and, and there's one left and that person's coming, do you let them take it and patiently wait for the next one? Are you having people over to your house who are not like you? So I'll come in, you know this, how many, what percentage of international students do you think that come to America get invited into an American's home? It's small. The amount that actually get invited in, you're talking maybe 10%. 90% of internationals that come to America do never get invited into American's home. Are you going to be kind with opening up your apartment, your place, where you're living, to the international students that could be living all around you? Are you kind with your family, even over spring break? Some of you might need to make some phone calls later tonight, ask for forgiveness. Are you kind to the friend, even though they've recently hurt you? Are you kind to the person you don't even know? Uh, so this past winter, I did something that, uh, that I try to be really intentional about, which, by the way, praise the Lord, we're out of that hot mess, right? Winter's done. I had uh, Stephen Rice over my place the other day, and he was looking me in the eyes. Clap for that. Amen. Uh, uh, we're done. And Stephen Rice was looking me at, that was the weirdest clap ever. Uh, Stephen Rice was looking me in the eye and, and uh, he just had this look kind of like, it's like, like he's just been through a lot of trauma as a Floridian and he's just like, are we actually done? <laughs> I'm like, Stephen, I think we're through. We might get a couple more snowflakes, but we're, we're through it, man. But this winter, one of the things I did, I tried to be intentional about, it was like when I saw people getting stuck in the snow, I'm like, I'm gonna get out and help. That's gonna be my like thing this this winter. One of the worst ones we saw was we were on our way back on 380, uh, heading north to Cedar Falls, and uh, it was snowing bad. And this Honda Civic right in front of us just lost it. 
like spun out of control. And I'm like, am I going to watch a person die? This is intense. You know, but they like, they slow, it slowly like slid off to the side or whatever. And so I, I pull over, we, uh, we got Casey's Rav, so we got four wheel drive and, and he had a chain. And so he's like, we'll just hook it up. Well, to do it, it was like, there was still traffic coming and I had to like pull him out this way, right? And so it was like traffic flying by. So I'm like trying to like shoot the gap where I can pull him out and not get hit by a car and all that stuff. And, uh, and, and we get him, we get him pulled out and, and he comes to the window and, uh, and he's got money in his hand. And, and the only thing in my head at this point is like, I just got to say something about Jesus to this guy. He's got to know. And, and, uh, and he wanted to hand me the 20. I said, hey man, don't worry about it. I just know Jesus loves you, uh, which is like the cheesiest Christian thing ever to say. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like, whatever, he heard the name of Jesus. He knows I love Jesus, hopefully. Uh, whatever. Uh, but that was my thing, right? So, so there's a spectrum on this love thing. Stay with me on this. Like there, there's times where you just like have those moments where it's like, okay, I'm gonna help this person out of the ditch. I'll probably never see that guy again, but hopefully a seed was planted. Now there's the other end where you have family and friendships for the long term. What do you do with those? Uh, we got to visit the, uh, the Sabinos earlier in February. You can hate me because you know they live in Florida. Um, and we got to go visit them. It was awesome. Uh, we've built a relationship with a mom and her son recently and uh, she didn't have transportation at the time. And uh, we... Casey had worked really hard to line up a bunch of, of drivers who could pick her up, get her to class, get her son to, to preschool and all that stuff and uh, put a lot of time into it. And we were in, uh, in Florida eating Froyo and we fa- FaceTimed her. And uh, guys, it was crazy. I, it kind of threw me off a bit, but uh, she was just looking Casey in the eyes through uh, iPhone, just, just said, thank you for lining this up. And then just started crying. Now, she didn't start crying because Casey made a Google Doc. She started crying because she's like, I know there was a level of sacrifice there that was made, and you did that for me. You took the, a lot of time probably, and you set this up where I don't, I don't feel like I'm falling through cracks, but I feel like I'm taken care of. That's long-term relationship love. That's the other side. Love comes in all different shapes and sizes, but sacrifice happens to meet the needs of someone else. Love is kind. Love does not envy. All right, this might be a gut punch for some of you guys. Do you compare yourself to others? Wishing you had what they had. Whether it's material things, success in school, success in connection group, their relationship. All right, let me throw this verse up here. Let's let this marinate for a bit. Romans 12, 15. We're called to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Here's my question tonight. Do you weep with those who rejoice? And do you rejoice when others weep? When your friend gets a good grade on a test but you don't, what's your response? When your friend's connection group is growing and yours is not, When your friend starts a dating relationship, something you've been desiring for a while, what's your response? When your friend gets that job coming out of graduation, but you're still waiting, what's your response? Do you rejoice when others rejoice and weep when others weep, or do you have that backwards in your life? Are you content in life? Mark Aaron, who spoke a couple weeks ago, his definition of contentment is this, wanting what you have whether it's the grade you got, the job you're gonna get, whether or not you're dating, 
It's wanting what you have. I, I guarantee you will free yourself up to love your friends better if you want what you have. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It's not arrogant. And it's not self-seeking. Think about this for a minute. If you guys have ever been to a funeral, when you go to a funeral, people don't talk about how self-centered that person was. They start talking about what that person did for others, right? That's what's true about a funeral. Some of you might struggle with love right now because you're so consumed with yourself. Your concern is your own comfort, your own reputation, not someone else's. The Bible speaks pretty directly to this. Philippians 2, listen to this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Are you selfless or self-seeking? Are you interested in yourself or others? At the core of the definition of agape love is loving others. It is hard to love others well if you're consumed with yourself. Now, uh, you guys are in a season right now of leadership interviews, right? Uh, which, by the way, if you're on the fence with that, just do it. I'll, I'll have Laura and Shay like, open up the application again. You guys should just apply and go through. It's the best thing that you'll do this year, unless you give your life to Christ this year. That's the best thing you'll do this year. Uh, but leadership interviews. Guys, I'll, I'll let you peek behind the curtain. When I, was a, when I was a director, when I was on SALT staff, and I was doing leadership interviews, the greatest thing I valued, there's a lot of things that we walked through. The greatest thing I valued in leadership interviews is this, humility. If you came into your leadership interview with a heart full of humility and care and concern for others, it's going to be a great interview. You walked into that interview, looked me in the eyes with eyes full of pride and arrogance. We were going to have a rough 50 minutes. I didn't want people on my leadership team, on our leadership team, who were proud and arrogant because you build up a wall where you cannot love others well because you are so consumed with yourself. We are called to be humble. If you end up doing the leadership interviews, it's an incredible opportunity. It's a great question to ask yourself, why am I doing leadership? Why do I want to do this? I would say it's an incredible platform to selflessly love others. It is. And I hope a lot of you do it. It is not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not self-seeking. It does not keep a record of wrongs. A lot of people, Salt Company, don't know how to move on from things. Are you one of them? Uh, here's one for you. Bitterness kills the one who holds it. Think about that. Bitterness kills the one who holds it. It's true every time. Are you stockpiling ammunition against your friend, roommate, boyfriend, or girlfriend, even if they've wronged you? What's your response? Think about that. Think of how many ways we've wronged Jesus in so many ways with our disobedience and with our sin. Could you imagine if Jesus treated you the same way that you're treating your friend right now? We would not want that. Jesus, when he looks at your sin, it is forgiven and it is done. I remember Paul and Jenny saying this. In their marriage, when, it, when they said, I forgive you, it was done. You do not hang it over that person's head. It's, it's just over. Forgiveness means it's done. You, you do not keep a record of wrongs, love, 
on top of all of that, believes and hopes all things. It has such an optimism for those around you. It believes in one another. It bears and endures all things. We were in our teaching team meeting and, and Stephen was saying that, that word bears, it means to protect, almost like a roof. Think of like a roof. It's protecting you. It's covering you. It's keeping you safe. It is taking a weight or a load off of you and protecting you. It endures even when things get tough. Seth was talking about Job's friends. You know, actually in the first couple chapters of the book of Job, Job's friends are actually pretty awesome friends because they go with Job and they just like listen and they like cry with him. And when they open their mouths, they screw up everything. But for the first couple chapters, they endure and walk with Job. Is that true of your life? Do you sacrifice your time to love others or are your friends a little bit more of an inconvenience to you? Guys, when I think back to that basement flooding incident, the secret sauce to this whole thing is this, guys. I'm gonna write this down. It was, it was self-sacrifice. These people who helped us, they sacrificed their time, their talents, their schedules, and their plans to love me and Casey in a time of need. They saw us in the hole, they jumped in and they helped us out. Now, here's the deal, Salt Company. Love is hard. It is tiring. It is it's inconvenient at times. I, I got a text today from Casey asking if I could give that same mom a ride today. And some of you smart people in the room will see the irony in this. I didn't want to right away. I was like, no, no, I gotta, that's inconvenient for me. I've got to spend time sermon prepping this afternoon for a sermon on self-sacrificing love. <laughs> follow that. Do you love well? 1 Corinthians 13, it is a litmus test. It is the mirror in which we look into. I, I really appreciated Reed in our teacher team meeting. He said this, there's nothing really like earth shattering or new in 1 Corinthians 13, but we just typically don't do these things, right? This is not something we do. It's easier to think of our own interests than others. It's like our natural pull and tendency Truly loving people is hard. It takes time, energy, and effort. I remember watching a sermon by Recap Gray, if you guys know who that is, and he talked to husbands. And you men in the room, you can keep this in your back pocket for a day to come. He was talking to the husband. He says, husbands, when you come home at night, are you looking to be entertained or are you looking to, to serve? He says, you better be looking to serve. And I feel this as a husband in this way. He says, you should not be going to bed at night entertained. You should be going to bed at night exhausted because you've been serving your wife tirelessly. That's the kind of love we're talking about right now. If you are loving someone to the point where you go to bed exhausted at night, you're heading in the right direction. That's what self-sacrificing love looks like. It is hard, but this is what we're called to as Christians. Listen to Jesus on this. John 13, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's one of the hallmarks of being Christ's disciples. You love one another. But then in John 15, he takes it to a whole nother level. Check this out. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You want to see what love looks like to the extreme? Salt Company, we look to the cross. You want to talk about a selfless concern for the welfare of others. Consider our spiritual welfare for eternity. For our sin against a perfect and holy God 
What we deserve, our spiritual welfare, it's God's wrath for our sin, perfect justice for what we've done against him for eternity. That's our spiritual welfare. If you want to look at the ultimate display of love, you look to the cross. You watch Jesus as he hangs on the cross and he takes on the wrath that we deserve in our place for you that put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The cross was the ultimate fiery test of true self-sacrificing love. Put down your pens. Jesus fulfills every aspect of 1 Corinthians 13 at the cross. Think about this for a second. You want to talk about not being self-seeking? How about being so others-focused that you are hanging on a cross until it is finished because you know it is the salvation of the future children of your family? That's not self-seeking. If you want to talk about not keeping a record of wrongs, think about your sin. Think about your darkest sin, which you don't want other people to know about. Know that Jesus knows your sin. He looks at your sin and he looks at you, Christian, and he says, I forgive you. It's done. It is clean. There is no red on the canvas. It is all white. You are forgiven. You want to talk about bearing all things. Let's talk about Jesus hanging on the cross, protecting you from the wrath of God, absorbing all of it for you. That's what it looks like to bear all things. That's what love looks like, Salt Company. Praise Jesus that he loved us. Otherwise, we'd be screwed for eternity. Christian, we do not love to check something off of a checklist. We love because of Jesus. We do not love because of obligation. We love because Christ first loved us. And our only response for a king who loved us the way that Jesus loves us is to worship. It's our only response in this moment right now. It's the only thing that makes sense. For what he's done for us, we worship King Jesus. I'm going to invite the band to come back up because we're going to do that. We're going to worship Jesus. But this is what we're going to do. I'll do something a little different. I don't speak much. I probably won't get invited back. But um, (laughs) I want you guys to just stay in your seat. And this is what I want you to think about. I want you to think about how has Jesus specifically loved you? Even if it's just being here right now, if it's your salvation, if, if you need to spend time just thinking of Jesus hanging on a cross, taking the wrath that you deserve, take your time. I want you to think right now, how has Jesus intimately loved me? Because I'm telling you guys, to love as Christians for, each, for the rest of our lives here on earth, it takes a motivation that comes from the cross. We look at a perfect love and we are motivated to say, yeah, I'm gonna live this kind of love the rest of my life. And so, as you sit here, just sit here. The, the music's gonna start playing. We're gonna start in on this song. Just sit in your seats, take your time. And whenever you're ready, you can stand and worship King Jesus with us. Uh, but take your time on this one tonight. I want us to just spend time. Let it soak in. Jesus loves you more than you'll ever know. Let that sink in and let's worship together.